Hi, everybody. Welcome to the, our next episode of the Geek Therapeutics Podcast. My name is Alicia Filiolo, and I'm here today with my special guest. Hi, I am James Smith. I'm a provisionally licensed mental health provider slash social worker in Omaha, Nebraska. I work for Lutheran Family Services in the, the Safe division, which primarily works with kids who have experience with sexual abuse, either on the receiving end or as the people with problematic sexual behavior. So that's my primary clientele. And I use geek therapy where I can, when I can. I love it. I love that you're using geek therapy when you can, and especially in a population that is desperately in need of connection. What is something that you have in your past that puts you in a point where you can say, I knew I was a geek then? <laughs> this is my geek moment, James. Oh, God, where to start? Uh, man, my, my geek moment was probably when I was like 10 or 11 years old when I was reading, I think, the original Dragonlance trilogy. And I was like, yes, yes, this is this is what I want to do didn't work out but uh you know I, i've still got that 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 trilogy those paperbacks have been so badly beaten over the years but it's been about 30 years so that's awesome when you realized it wasn't going to work out were you sad that you couldn't be the dragon slayer or that you couldn't be walking around in the mythical world what was the point where you're like man i just i don't have it um, well, actually, I wanted to be a writer, and I got to college, and my uh, the writer the professor I had for creative writing just did not like fantasy. He absolutely hated it, and he demolished anybody who wrote it. And so I was like, "Yeah, no, okay, I'm done." But uh, as for the the wanting to be a dra dragon slayer, I you know I still do that on a regular basis. I mean, they're not actual dragons, but. Tell us about your current gaming. Are you gaming right now? Do you have a home group? Um, I guess you could call it a home group. Uh, I met up with some guys, well, guys and girls, uh, about four or five years ago, actually through my therapist. Uh, and we've been playing online ever since. Uh, we've played uh, fifth edition D&D. We played the FFG Star Wars game. We're currently playing Starfinder, and we just started a game called Better Angels, where you play mortals who have been possessed by demons who give you superpowers, but you only get to use the superpowers when you're doing naughty things. So you have to balance, do I, am I a good person, or do I use my superpowers today? How do you find yourself playing? Do you balance yourself often? Are you finding yourself not being able to use your powers? We're still really just feeling that out. We just had our first session this past Sunday. So we're getting used to the system because it's one none of us have used before and also trying to figure out exactly what the limits are. But it's when, I think it'll be interesting. When you're learning a new system, are you coming from a system that is there? I guess I should say, is there a system that you've played regularly and now learning this new system? Is it complicated to learn this new system? I wouldn't say it's complicated. It's definitely uh, a shift because mostly what I've played for the last several years has been things like fifth edition 
Starfinder, which are, you know, roughly the same level of mechanical interaction. And Better Angels is much more, much more narrative. There's not a whole lot of, uh, like, here's your your inventory and all your items. And basically, they just you you pick some points in various virtues or vices and. You, you fight with your demon, who is played by another player, over uh, which ones get increased on a regular basis. Wow. This sounds awesome. Oh, sorry about that. In their, in this narrative game, right, you're learning this new system. In this narrative game, we play, we have narrative therapy. And in narrative therapy, we talk through things. And I'm trying to figure out how narrative therapy and role playing can go hand in hand. And as we're talking to people, we're learning that they work really, really well together. Have you found that in your own gameplay and in your own profession that that is true? Um, gameplay, I would say yes, because there's definitely times when I work through personal stuff through a character. And I know some of the, the people I play with have. <laughs> As for in actual therapy, I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, I would like to once I get fully licensed and I can go work independently. But uh, right now, I just work within my agency's rule set, which doesn't sadly allow for uh, RPG groups therapeutically. What brought you, speaking of certifications, what brought you into Geek Therapeutics and how did you find Geek Therapeutics as a as a clinician who isn't currently allowed to do Geek Therapy or not say Geek Therapy, but tabletop role-playing therapy? What brought you to find Geek Therapeutics? Um, well, I have been a huge geek for most of my life, like I said, since I was probably like 10 years old. So uh, I actually came to therapy... I didn't actually start my social work program until like 2015. Uh, but I had a good friend who was very aware of my, my excessively geeky nature. And he saw something one day online and he's like, Hey, you should check this out. And I'm pretty sure that was the, the, the advertisement for, Joseph Atanasio's D and D and mood management and older adults training. It was like one of the first geek therapeutics training, and I was like, "Oh yes, this is my this is my jam here." Like, I, I don't know if I'll ever use it with older adults, but uh, I, I want to see how I can use D and D in therapy, and then I got hooked. So, in that first session, it did you take the live training with Joe? Oh yeah. And you said you were hooked from Joe's live training. What did you do next? Um, God, I, I would have to look through the like history of my my certifications because a lot of them I did pre the Geek Therapeutics website. So let them like read as zero percent, even though I've still got the the trainings bouncing around. I I had to eventually upload all of them to my. <laughs> my uh, online transcript for my current job, but oh man, there's so many. Uh, Is there a training that jumps out to you that you truly connected with? I've, I was a big fan of Dr. Megan Connell's uh, 
she did the history and application of tabletop RPGs, but also she did uh, D&D and ACT. I don't know if she did that with uh, with Geek Therapeutics. I, I actually found that somewhere else, but I thought that was really fun. And I've been a big fan of uh, all the, the Marvel trainings with, uh, with Matt, yeah, Matt Fellows, because I'm a huge Marvel nerd. If you can see behind me, there's a Captain America shield. I've got a Captain America tattoo on one arm. Uh, I've got an Iron Man up here. So yeah, I'm I'm the Marvel guy. Well, I'm the geek guy in my, my office. I'm the guy in my office. But. <laughs> um, so we're, we've been having this conversation with guests and there seems to be this great divide between Marvel and DC. Um, and there are some of us who are pro both for various reasons. There are pro Marvel, pro DC. Why Marvel over DC, James? Hmm, that's a tough one. Probably because my favorite character is Captain America and he's Marvel. But also, uh, when I was still regularly reading like individual comics, now I just pick up trades when I can. But I, I was really annoyed when DC rebooted its world like yet again and they eliminated several comics that I really enjoyed reading. I was like, yeah, well, okay, I'm going to stop reading for a while. And that turned out for to be like, uh, I think it was the new 52 thing. So it's been a few years. When you're working with clients, how do you use your geekiness? Do you bring in Marvel? Do you allow them to make a comment to you? Because it is very clear that in your office you have geeky artifacts. How is it brought up and how do you utilize geek culture in your sessions? Um, if... I don't mention that I'm a geek in one of my first couple of sessions. I'm typically surprised at myself. Uh, sometimes they, they come in and they're like, oh, hey, you've got a, like a big fluffy D20 on your shelf. I'm like, ah, I see you were one of my tribe. <laughs> uh, so, so mostly it's a mix of either me mentioning it and then, then kind of feeling okay with, okay, yeah. I, I guess I can talk about this stuff with you now because now you're not going to think I'm a nerd. Which, you know, I then point out, well, that depends. Are you good at math? Because that, that's a divide. Nerds are good at math. Geeks aren't. I don't know if that's actually true. That's what I, that's just what I say. But That's so funny. I'm not good at math, but I'm definitely a massive geek. So maybe that's the difference between the nerd and the geek. So uh, working with your clients and they come in and they, they see your D20 or they see Iron Man or Captain America. Do you see them change? Does their body language change when they connect with that or they hear that oh my gosh he's geeky do you see that in them yeah definitely with a couple of them with some of them it takes them a little longer to to feel comfortable opening up but they are you know coming into therapy and a lot of them are not necessarily coming in because they want to so uh it's not terribly surprising but it, it was always nice to be able to have that to talk to because it's definitely helped me get through to a couple of clients when you're having to have those breakthrough moments with clients, is there a geek cultural artifact that sticks out to you that got that breakthrough to connect with them? If you're talking about like something physical as a cultural artifact, I don't know. Excuse me, but hmm. just thinking back, uh, before I worked as a therapist, I was a, a case manager in Texas. Uh, and 
one I, I had a kid who I was just getting nowhere with until he he saw something. I think he saw my phone case, which was a it is currently Captain America. It was a different version of the Captain America phone case. And he saw that. It's like, oh, you like Marvel movies? Like, yes, I do. And he's like, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of the Hulk because I just feel angry all the time. And that was like the, the that was the moment he actually started talking to me. That's huge because to have that mirror, it's like looking at the man in the mirror, right? And when someone sees themselves as Bruce Banner as the Hulk and they're always angry, that, you know, has a red flag for me, of course, knowing your population and what makes them angry. Why do they feel that way? And I know we can't discuss it, but was he able to break out of his Hulk shell and see himself as something different ever? Oh. He was, at least to a certain degree, while I was still working with him. Uh, uh, shortly, like a month or two after that, I ended up transferring jobs. So I did not get to see exactly how far he got. But I did uh, keep up because I knew his the, the, the caseworker who replaced me. And so I kind of kept discreet tabs on how things were going. I hope that he finds his Bruce Banner and can find his calm and I think that's what's beautiful about geek culture is we can see ourselves in so many characters and I wonder if there is a character growing up or a character now as an adult that you resonate with the most Hmm. resonate with the most Or is there a character that in your past helped guide you into the person you are today? Uh, that could be any of several characters. Uh, some, some people might think of more like a Don Quixote kind of like tilting at windmills, but like my first big geek character who I was just absolutely, well, maybe not obsessed, but pretty close with was a character from the original Dragonlance trilogy, uh, Sturm. Brightblade, who was a knight whose order had kind of, they had these high ideals, but they never lived up to them while he struggled to do that every day. And he ended up dying because of it, but he, he never compromised his ideals. And that's something that I see in that. I, I kind of see that in Captain America because he works very hard to never compromise those, those ideals he's working towards, even if it might hurt him personally. So uh, I think that works pretty well as a therapist because there's definitely lines we can't cross. And On that same vein, people who are in this community or the superheroes that we look at who are working night and day, we often don't see them practice self-care. And as a therapist and a clinician, do you practice self-care in a geeky way? Do you practice self-care in a like normal, I'm just going to chill out and watch TV way? How does James, the therapist, decompress and practice self-care? Um, kind of a mix of both. Some days I'm just feeling, when I'm taking time out for self-care, I just feel like sitting on the couch and watching something. Often it is something geeky because uh, that, that's the majority of what I watch these days. Thankfully, there is a fair amount 
that I can watch. Uh, and sometimes it's just, uh, I just started playing Lost Ark and I was, uh, I, I, that's been kind of my, uh, my decompression game for the last week or so. Is there a TV show that you're currently watching? Um, currently, I literally just finished the final season of The Expanse last night. Oh, I want to talk about that, but I am not that far. I'm only in the middle of season two, or maybe I just started season three. It's a brand new show for us. Uh, my cousin told my wife and I, you need to watch this show. And we're like, okay, whatever. So we sat down and we binged the first season and a half in like three days, two days, three days. And I love it. I'm very looking forward to the end. Um, I won't look at your face because I don't want to see like any like giveaway, but was it good? Is it amazing? Do you feel complete with it ending? Um, well, it's not complete because it only gets, it's based on a book series and it only right. up to, I think, the sixth book and there's nine books in the series. So, but, but it is complete as far as they're probably going. And I think it ends pretty well. I'm excited. Are you watching any of the Marvel shows that are on the streaming all services? Marvel shows. What's your favorite? Um, God, that is that is such a loaded question because, <laughs> like, personally, my favorite is Falcon and the Winter Soldier, largely because it's about you know the continuation of the legacy of Captain America. Professionally, uh, I would say WandaVision, just because of the exploration of grief and loss. So you picked two really great shows and two that I have finished. I finished Boba Fett, of course, Mandalorian, WandaVision, and um, Falcon Story. And I find it interesting that you picked those two because Sam Wilson is a social worker and was written as a social worker in New York. And to have a character who many of these characters embody social work core values, but Sam Wilson is written as a social worker in Harlem and he is following his father's life mission of making sure that the people of Harlem are being serviced and taken care of and getting their needs met. And I find it interesting that as a social worker that you gravitated towards that, even though Captain America is your staple hero. But there's something to be said about a man who is coming from, he's not a, he wasn't a superhero. He wasn't written to be a superhero. He took on Falcon. And I wonder, have you thought about that as a social worker yourself and about the superhero role that you would play if you were in the Marvel Universe? Um, honestly, if I were in the Marvel Universe, I'd probably just be ducking and covering a lot of the time. <laughs> but um, I, I haven't read some of the, the, the older comics with Falcon, uh, so uh, my, my familiar familiarity with him really kind of begins in the late 90s. Okay. I don't think they really talk about him being a social worker, but I know, you know, in the movie, in, in, the, in the movies, he was a, like a VA worker because he was, he had been a veteran and mm -hmm. seen combat and knew what it did to people. And I think you really see a bunch of that come out in the Falcon and Winter Soldier series where he you know, has to negotiate like several times and it's the kind of the, the, the fake Captain America who, who breaks it up and ruins things because he want, he just wants to punch people. Yeah. We know that that's not Sam. We know that Sam has, has seen some things and he knows that that's really not the best way. And that, in my, in my personal opinion, I feel like when he told Cap he wasn't going to take 
the shield. It was, I can't bring myself to possibly harm someone. And I don't think I can be as the ideal that you have. And we look at him now and I'm so glad that he took up that shield. I love him. I hope that he gets an expansion. Uh, and I also find that Wanda, we've talked a lot about Wanda on this show and, um, everybody is really proud about the grief journey. And then there is this break of Wanda broke the world and was ridiculed for it. Strange breaks the world and he's hailed a hero. And when you have two individuals who are breaking the world, one for grief and one to keep a family intact because she has lost the love of her life. And then a man who breaks the world to save humanity or blame a kid who, you know, just wants to make sure his friends are okay. How do you feel about the two of those storylines? Because they're sharing a lot of the same, uh uh-oh, what if, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did this moment, but are treated very, very differently. And I want to talk it through with in the lens of Wanda because her grief is so profound and we haven't seen that before where we've just watched someone, her grief scene is just amazing. So that explosion, how do you feel about that? Um, I think we're going to get to see a bunch more of it in the upcoming Doctor Strange movie, at least just from the, the teaser I saw, because it sounds like she directly brings it up. It's like, I broke the world. People think I'm a monster. You, you did this and you're a hero. So what's up with that? Uh, so it sounds like she just comes right out and says, you know, we're, we're making the subtext text right here. Yeah. Our, I'm nervous. I have chills. My whole body just got cold because we don't have, we talk about self-advocacy a lot in our profession. I, I'm a social worker. A lot of people know that. And self-advocacy is one of the cornerstones of our, of our world and our profession. And we don't see a lot of self-advocacy in women characters in the Marvel or DC universe. And she is going to stand up to the man who really is controlling a lot of the universe now. And I'm nervous. I'm nervous of how it'll be written. Have you thought about what that moment is going to be for you when you see it on screen? Because I get chills every time and I probably am going to cry. I know it. I just know it because we need that. We need young girls to see that you can stand up because there is a double standard. And it seems that Marvel is about to break that wall open. Would you agree? Disagree? How do you feel? Um, yeah, I think at least some part of Marvel acknowledges there is a double standard because they, uh, I don't know exactly how close what if ties into the what if series ties into everything, but there's the episode of what if, if I, if you've seen it where Mm -hmm. Dr. Strange, like, you know, in a, a slightly different world, he literally like annihilates his entire universe because he could not accept the, the person he loved dying. And so he is, he's definitely capable of that. Like he, he, he does so much worse than anything we ever see Wanda do. Uh, it, it's in a slightly different universe, but it looks like that guy might possibly be showing up. That version of him might be showing up in the movie. Cause there's definitely a creepy looking like evil Dr. Strange might be him. So I, the other day we had a conversation with a guest and we talked about the what if series and I think it's amazing. I love seeing the opposite end of what a story could be. I have a few favorites. Uh, T'Challa as Star-Lord is probably one of my all-time favorites until the very end and he gets angry, but then it comes together. But the the guests said that they believe that 
the what if series is going to be completely tied into the universe now and it looks like you're right it's going to be dr strange and i'm very excited and nervous and i want to see where marvel's gonna go we just lost an entire you know journey of this adventure story and i'm really excited to see what marvel is going to do with it did you watch the eternals i did i was a big fan of the eternals uh me too. So many people in my world do not like it, but I thought it was so good. What's your favorite part? Um, I like that they fixed the final conflict. I mean, there is a fight going on, but the fight going on is between Icarus and several of the other Eternals. And then there's the, the deviant guy who shows up. The, 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 the defining conflict isn't them. It's can the Eternals stop this uh the celestial from being born and like they, they they do it together they do it without you know punching it to death uh they, they have to cooperate and i when i was discussing with a, a friend i watched it was like uh so these people who are so detached from everything around them because they've watched humans die for 7,000 years. They have to have an enormous amount of empathy to destroy their purpose. Like the reason they are there in order to save people. That moment when, um, Oh, is it whose character when she's walking across the, the celestial bridge and she realizes that we're only here to be destroyed. We're only here for energy. That's it. We're here to watch death and destruction. We're here to be destroyed. We're here to do this over and over and over again until the birth of this being. That moment was really impactful, I think, for me and some other people in the theater. Because when you realize what your life is for, you have to make that choice. Like, do you keep continuing or do you end it? And I thought it was beautiful. I know that a lot of people wanted to see more fighting in a Marvel movie and that it wasn't, there wasn't this big bang and this huge crescendo, but I thought the journey was beautiful and I'm very excited for the end credits. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but I think the very last moment was quite great. I'm very excited about the sword because I'm a huge Marvel geek. And so I know where it's going and I am so very excited. I wish that I don't know how long ago or if it's when you're it's appropriate to give spoilers. But that last scene I'm so excited for, because if they are going to be true to the comics, it is going to be a wild ride. And I think we're going to have a really awesome, epic journey like we did with the Avengers with the wielder of that sword. So I'm very excited for it. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very interesting because I think at this point, Disney's just like, OK, Kevin, because I assume Kevin Feige or Feige. Is still, you know, basically at the wheel. Uh, just, just, just do whatever you want. You've made us so much money that you know, just you know, go nuts. Like you, you took Guardians of the Galaxy, and we didn't think it would work, and somehow it's ridiculously, you know, profitable. So yeah, go nuts. Do whatever. So he released some, like there was a big press release today or yesterday that uh, the Avengers movies are completely over. Endgame is the final movie. He will not be expanding or expanding on that side of the universe. And that uh, they had this big conversation about Moon Knight and what is coming as well as the 
Cumberbatch reveal that's coming. And I find your assessment to be 100% accurate. Like this man has created millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in revenue and continuous want. And I think Disney is just going to say, you know what? You got a comic, you got a script, let's produce it. Cause it's going to be, I think it's everything he touches, I think is gold. And he has a really great eye. And I think you get that when you have a, a Marvel fan, you have a fan of these people creating and it just shows through. And I think that's why like I have a, when it comes to the cinematic universe, I'm a Marvel fan. When it comes to the DC universe, I think they're awful when it comes to their movies. Cause people who are not movie, who are not DC diehards are creating movies and they're just not coming out as well. On that vein though, speaking of movies, are you going to watch the new Batman movie? Um, I'll probably see it just because I see basically every comic book based movie. Same here. Like I, I, I kind of collect them all. Uh, I, I have like the most recent Fantastic Four movie on DVD. I haven't watched it yet, but I own it just for completion's sake. So I'll probably end up seeing it just to see where it goes. I'm nervous. I am a big Michael Keaton fan as the original Batman. And as they are bringing back, it looks like the original Keaton Batman series. I don't know if that's true, but just from the preview, I mean, Catwoman is there. I'm very nervous with Selena because I think Michelle Pfeiffer is the best. So I've got this like, oh, I don't know. I just feel really... I'm, I'm nervous about it, and I Robert Pattinson, I don't know how he'll do as a Batman, but supposedly it's going to be good. So once you watch it, I'd love to talk to you about it. When uh, when you went through Geek Therapeutics, I got super tangential. See, I told you that I love talking about all things geek, and I forget that there's a purpose to the show. But with the purpose of the show, when you went through the Geek Therapeutics program, what certifications did you get with them? Uh, well, I have the, uh, the certified geek therapist certification. Um, eventually I want to get the, the therapeutic game master certification. Uh, I'm waiting on that both, uh, hopefully, uh, when I get licensed, I get paid a little more, uh, cause it's not the cheapest program, but also sure. once I get licensed, I'll be in a better position to actually use therapeutic game mastering uh so i figure out i'll hold off on that a little just because i'm getting to an age where you know if i don't use it reasonably soon my brain will just like yeah no you don't need this anymore we're just going to delete it <laughs> sure that makes sense when you go into your private practice once you get licensed do you plan on bringing in Dungeons and Dragons or other role-playing games into therapy specifically and doing that as a specific profession? Um, if it is at all possible, yes. Uh, I don't know exactly what the, the private practice landscape is going to be in Omaha but at that time, but you know, if I can find a market for it, then definitely. That's awesome. I know that that's always the big question is how do I use it? How do I apply it? Where do I find the clients? And I found that in these discussions that some individuals are just walking into therapist's office and saying, hey, I have this, this uh, modality, could you, would, could you, would you want to use it? And it's a couple people have gone in working with therapists and doing their groups under that therapist and just providing their services. So I'm not saying that it's not possible, but it seems like you just say words and the possibilities happen. So I hope that Omaha is ready with open arms to take on role playing as a therapeutic modality because it has been really awesome. And when you went through your geek therapy 
certification, did you find that there were moments of aha as you were going through the trainings? Like, oh my gosh, I could do this. This makes sense. Wow, I didn't know. Uh, frequently, yes. Because uh, one of the required trainings is the, the anime therapy, hope, belongingness, and resilience. And I'm not huge in anime. Like, I, I watched some back in the 90s, but I never really got into it. But going through that training, I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like, I'm still not watching a whole lot of anime just because there's so much else to watch. And I don't have the time to watch 300 episodes of Naruto uh, or <laughs> however many. There, there are so many. I Every time I look at some of the longer-running animes, I get so intimidated. It's like I, I could finish watching all of Critical Role before I finish watching this. But speaking of critical I, role, are you currently listening to campaign three or watching campaign three? Um, bits and pieces. Uh, I have trouble just because it, they are four hours long and yeah. I, I have trouble like finding time for my own sessions, the one listening to somebody else's. Yeah. Um, I feel but, that. But I, 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 I'm definitely a fan of them. Uh, like I, I backed the, the Kickstarter for the Legend of Vox Machina animated series. So, have you uh, watched I, it? I have watched it so far, and um, actually, after I finish up my day tonight, uh, for whatever reason, Amazon seems to be releasing things like early in our time zone. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to ask questions. So <laughs> I'll probably get to watch the the final three episodes of this season. I have not watched it yet. I wanted to wait till they all were released so I could binge it. I was not a Critical Role fan until uh, I listened to Abria Iyengard's the her little like eight sessions during season or campaign two and three, and I fell in. Lo I love her. I think she's an amazing storyteller. And then I started listening back a couple episodes of. Um, critical role and thought, okay, like I'll give him a chance. I just have a hard time sitting down. And when you're a professional voice actor playing a game, like, of course it's going to be amazing, but that's not real life when you are playing D and D. And I have this hard time because of the idea that when you're DMing for somebody, they're like, Oh, but you're not Matt Mercer. You're right. I'm not, I'm Alicia. And this is how like, we're going to roll. And if you don't like it, you can leave, but like, let's have fun. Don't compare me. And I, that's really hard for people. And so I gave them a chance and I love campaign three. I think they're phenomenal. I love what they do for the mental health community. They're very big advocates on mental health and gaming. And so I love that about them personally. I just have had a hard time with the show. And like you said, four hours is a long time. And I didn't realize that they play so late in the night. And so I've only watched a few episodes live and I can't make it. I can't make it till it's like one o'clock my time because I'm in uh, Pittsburgh. And so by the time it's done, it's so late. So I just listen to it in the car when I can. I'm so behind. I'm on episode like five and they're on episode, I think like 13. So I'm so behind, but I love it. And I'm glad that you love it. It's always great to talk about them. You said it's hard to get into your own sessions and to play. What character are you playing? Can you tell us about your race, your class, what your character does for the game that you sometimes get to play in? Because life is um, busy. My the longest running character uh, that I've got right now is in Starfinder, which is kind of like Pathfinder, but in space in the future. Okay. And so they, they've got, well, they started with limited classes. They've expanded on it. But when we started, 
I typically like to just get right up and hit things. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of the times I play like, you know, Barbarian or Paladin. Paladin is a favorite, but sometimes other people pick it before I do. So right now I have a soldier who wields a railgun and is also trying to be a paladin. And he's That's a awesome. giant lizard man. Oh, in space. Yes, in space. I love it. I I love anything space related. I think space is a great place to create stories and it's so expansive. I love it. I love that you're playing Starfinder. I love that you're playing in other systems, even though it's still the, the D20 system. But I love that there's different stories going on. We're about to roll up on our time. And I want to give you an opportunity to really just share whatever, wherever people can find you, the things that you want to pitch. This is your time to just let James shine. If there's anything that you want to get out there or plug, please do. This is your time. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know that I have a lot to plug. Uh, I'm not particularly active on social media. Uh, and I don't have a website or anything. I used to have a blog, but I haven't written it in a couple of years now. So, uh, I mean, if, if you're in Omaha, Nebraska, and you're looking for therapeutic gaming, uh, wait a year or two, and I'll hopefully be working on that. But right now, I'm just trying to, you know, finish up my licensure. Uh, I, I love the place I work, which is Lutheran Family Services. But, you know, I, I wouldn't go there to be a geek, necessarily. <laughs> I'm definitely the biggest geek in the office. But... Yeah, I don't know that I have anything else I can really plug. James, thank you for spending this time with us and talking all things geek. If there's ever a time that you want to chat again, please let us know, and I'd love to have you back. Everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Geek Therapeutics Podcast. I'm Alicia, and like always, find kindness and spread love, and we can't wait to see you next week. Also, if you're a game master, a therapist, a geek therapist, someone who loves the geek world, wants to know more about geek therapy, please come find us at media at geektherapeutics.com and come have a chat with us because we'd love to hear what you're doing in your personal and professional spaces. Again, thank you for coming. We'll see you same time next week on the same channel. Bye-bye.